0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. John writes, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, dear saints, we call him Doubting Thomas even though that the text that we just heard from John's gospel, it never uses this word doubt. It's one of those many cases of our reading into the scriptures, something that isn't actually there. No one, including Jesus, says that Thomas doubted. You see, doubt wasn't Thomas's problem unbelief was. You might might say that Thomas let his doubts get in the way of his faith. And that was the problem. And so Jesus, he doesn't say, Thomas, stop doubting. No, he says, Thomas, stop disbelieving and believe. There's a big difference here. Doubt, it happens for a variety of reasons. You hear about something that is contrary to your experience and everything that you know, and so naturally you're going to have doubts. When people first suggested that the earth is round, there were doubters. It sure looks flat to me. Go stand in North Dakota. It looks flat. I was in Columbus, Ohio this week. I hadn't experienced that before. It is flat in comparison to where we live. Short of some really hard evidence to the contrary, a round earth is a pretty hard sell. When Copernicus did the math and suggested that the earth actually orbited around the sun, There were also doubters, Luther being among them. It seemed ridiculous. From our vantage point, the sun, the moon, and the stars all seem to move across the sky like some big movie screen. And the earth that we're standing on, well, it seems pretty stationary, fixed. We don't even have any sense of motion. So everything that they knew and sensed said that the earth was fixed and that the heavenly bodies moved around a fixed earth. And orbiting earth was a pretty hard sell. Whenever we encounter something outside of our range of experience, we are going to have doubts. It's natural for us. We're wired to see patterns. We look at things logically and with reasons. And when there is a break in those patterns, our minds, they automatically wonder, is this right? Did I see that correctly? Are you sure? Imagine being Thomas. He'd missed church the Sunday before when the disciples were all gathered in that locked upper room. And Jesus appeared in their midst and he showed them his wounds. And he spoke peace and he breathed on them. (laughs) See what happens when you miss church? You miss the risen Lord Jesus. That's what happens. And you're left to stew in your doubts instead. The disciples, they went to Thomas and they told him this great news. We have seen the Lord. But still, Thomas, he didn't believe them. Who could blame him? Thomas, like any one of his time, knew that dead men don't typically rise from the dead. Thomas is a sane, reasonable, and rational person, just like most of us are here today. He wasn't prone to believe fantastic tales, and he wasn't going to take anyone's word that Jesus was alive either. Okay, so they thought that they had seen the risen Jesus. But could they be sure that it was the Lord? There were lots of reasonable explanations. And he is risen indeed, hallelujah, wasn't one of them. So Thomas, what he does is he proposes a little scientific test, an experiment of their claim that they had seen the risen Lord. He tells the other disciples, he says, Show me the wounds and let me touch them. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into them and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Fair enough. The wounds would indicate that this was the real Jesus. No fake, no stand-in, no imposter. This is the one who was crucified The wounds, they mark him as the crucified one. And not just seeing the wounds would do. Because the eyes, they can be tricky sometimes. And seeing does not rule out some kind of figment of our imaginations. Thomas, he wants to touch the wounds, to put his finger into the nail holes, to stick his hand into the side of Jesus. That would be hard evidence. Anyone who would doubt after doing these things, well, they'd have to be crazy. However, what's missing here is the word. Thomas, he'd forgotten the words of Jesus. All the disciples had, including the women. Mary Magdalene was literally standing And staring at the risen Jesus in the garden. And she thought that he was a laborer, a gardener. Peter and John, they had to run to the tomb to see it for themselves. And they forgot the words of Jesus. He told them that he would die and on the third day rise. He spelled it out for them plainly at least three times. The disciples, they'd spent three years with Jesus. They saw him heal the sick, drive out demons, raise three people from the dead. They'd heard what he had said, and still they didn't believe him. The week before, they were huddled in fear in this locked room. They didn't believe the words of Jesus. The problem with all of them was not that they were skeptical or doubtful, but that they didn't believe. Same with Thomas. Of course he wants to see Jesus for himself, with his own eyes. Of course he wants to touch the wounds, to be sure that he's not seeing things. Of course he's skeptical, as any of us would be, as all, as all of Jesus' disciples were. And I'll tell you this I'm glad that they were skeptical. Because if they had just bought into the resurrection story, to the Easter news, I think I'd be a little bit more than skeptical myself of this story. I'm glad that the gospel writers included their doubts, which then speak to my doubts, to our doubts. Whenever you deal with things that are unseen, there are going to be doubts. Doubts are dealt with by seeing the thing for yourself, and if necessary, touching it That's why historic sites, they're they're so important. There's something very concrete about seeing the thing and touching it. It makes it real. Because we are sensory creatures. We need to touch it and experience it. It's not enough to be told. We have to see it and to touch it for ourselves. My wife she teaches at the preschool. They have show and tell every week and it's so popular. <laughs> the kids love show and tell. But we're like that ourselves. We 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 like to see things and touch them and experience them for ourselves, not just to be told about them. So Thomas, he's not wrong in his saying, show me the Jesus with holes in him and let me touch him for myself. Because that's how doubts are dealt with, by hard evidence. But that's not Thomas' problem. And it's not really our problem either. Thomas' problem is that he thinks that he will believe when he sees. Thomas, he's the ultimate Missourian. Missouri being the show-me state. I'll believe it when I see it all believe believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. When I see Jesus with the holes in him and I touch him, short of that, I will never believe. Thomas's problem and ours too is that he let his doubts get in the way of his faith. Let's consider how faith would have dealt with this news that the disciples had seen the risen Lord. Faith would say, well, I know that dead men don't rise, at least ordinarily. I know that Jesus raised a few dead people, three in all, including Lazarus. But most importantly, I heard Jesus say that he would be crucified and on the third day rise from the dead. And his words are true. His words are spirit and life. They are the words of eternal life. They are the words of the Son of God. And so, because of this, I am going to say He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Even if I've never seen Him or got to touch Him, it's good enough that a few of my friends saw Him. But most importantly, He said He would rise. And his words are all that matter. That's why unseeing yet believing, we are so blessed in that. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you sitting here this evening. That's me standing here in the pulpit. We have no Jesus with holes to look at. We have no wounds to touch. But you know what we do have? We have the waters of baptism. We have the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper. We have his words that he provided for us in the scriptures. And that is enough for our faith. Faith comes from hearing, not seeing, not by investigating, not by experimentation, hearing the proclaimed words of Christ. So now, if you listen carefully, you'll realize that Thomas didn't get exactly what he wanted. That next Sunday, the disciples are again all together in this locked room. They can't seem to get over this locked room thing. And this time, Thomas is with them. And the Lord again appears and he says, Peace be with you. And shows them his wounds. And then he looks directly at Thomas and says, Put your finger here in my hands. Put your hand here in my side. <clears throat> it's as if Jesus had been there next to Thomas when he said that. But you know what? It's because Jesus was there when he said that. There isn't anywhere that our Jesus isn't. And then Jesus, he says the words that bring faith to Thomas. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe those words are what makes thomas's words possible his next statement is not quantified it's not part of an experiment it's just a proclamation he says he says my lord and my god you see he never touches the wounds he doesn't have to The words of Jesus have had their way with Thomas. You see, you don't have to see Jesus to believe. You have to hear him, trust him to believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Dear saints, you are blessed in your not seeing. Seeing is not believing. And if you see, well, you don't have to believe. Seeing, it can actually be distracting. Which is one of the reasons that 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he disappeared into a cloud. He withdrew his visible presence. Instead, he is present In another more profound way. In a sacramental way by his word. And that is just as real as Jesus with holes standing right here in front of us. In fact, it's maybe even more real. If you can imagine such a thing. A Jesus that we could see would actually be a distraction of our faith. Seeing, not believing, seeing, well, it's, it's seeing. If we saw Jesus standing here this evening, we would still have to believe that our sins are forgiven because of him. That he had conquered our death by his death and that we have life in his name. We'd still have to believe that. Seeing him would do nothing to quiet quiet the restless, guilty conscience of ours. Nor would it take you or, or, nor would it make us more confident facing our lives into death. We would just have a visible Jesus to believe in instead of a sacramental one. Jesus, he knows how to deal with our doubts and our unbelief. And that's our takeaway from the gospel this evening. Jesus, he knew what Thomas needed to believe his wounds and his words. And he knows what you need too. He's given you the signs in your baptism, in his supper, in his word. And John, he so graciously recorded the signs as he did so that you might continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, have life in his name. That's all you really need. He is enough. So bring your doubts, bring your fears, Bring all of your unbelief to Jesus. Let him deal with it. And may that give you peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all of our doubts and our misunderstandings. May it guard our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.